This is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and notifier button so you can be aware whenever a new episode is available. Also, leave a comment and a review. We would really appreciate that. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Welcome back, everybody, to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Switzer. I am the Clydesdale. We love to do fitness, and these are my friends. I got my co-host, Charlie Odie, with me, and special friend, Amanda Barnhart. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. So you are a games veteran, and I have so many notes, and it's so hard to like figure out where to start. So I want to start with a fun story from Wadapalooza. So I was there this year. It was my first time ever at Wadapalooza. To preface the story, my background is swimming, just like yours. Nice. I swam at Ohio State for a, a little bit and uh, then retired because it was different than I thought it was going to be. So every day at Wadapalooza, I'd walk into the park, I'd get a coffee from Dan Bailey, and I'd go to Bayfront to like enjoy some coffee while I'm watching the ocean and all that kind of stuff. And here comes you and Ryan Lochte. <laughs> I didn't know what comedy was going to ensue from that point forward. So the premise is there's all these athletes that are not elite athletes who are getting coaching from Amanda and Ryan Lochte on how to swim during their event. And every time they went to Ryan Lochte, the advice he was giving was at such an elite level. And I'm sitting there going, my God, these guys are going to drown. If they try to do seven strokes a breath and, and beat one beat per second as a kick, they're going to die. They're going to die. And then you would grab the mic and go, well, maybe we need to back that down a bit. <laughs> and it kept going throughout the entire thing. And you kept saying like, well, maybe you just want to like get to the buoy the best you can. <laughs> yeah. I was laughing so hard. And I don't think anybody else appreciated how funny that was. But you were trying to save these people's lives. <laughs> Yeah. So first of all, that's awesome that you swim at Ohio State. They're an incredible swim program. But um, yeah, I like showed up there and they're like, hey, you're going to do this thing with Ryan Lochte. Like we had no plans. I mean, I, I kind of knew we were going to do something, but I didn't know what. Um, also, it was like super starstruck meeting him because I was a swimmer my whole life. Um, him and Michael Phelps were my favorite swimmers by far. So I get to meet him like and then I'm doing a seminar with him. I don't feel even remotely qualified to be teaching swimming with Ryan Lochte. Like I swam at Cleveland state. It's a low level division one school. Like I was a, a decent swimmer, but nowhere even in the conversation with Ryan Lochte. So we're doing this thing and he's super unfamiliar with CrossFit. Like he comes to Wadapalooza just like basically having no idea what CrossFit is at this point. <laughs> like He just thinks I'm like some muscly girl and like, he's, you know, trying to figure out like the whole weekend and just first day there, he's like getting really overwhelmed. So he has no idea what CrossFitters do in general, let alone what they do when they swim or that most CrossFitters cannot swim. So he's like giving these like super technical advice or advice that just like, isn't very, relevant because a lot of times like the swim portion of workouts becomes like survival for swimmers or for crossfitters and not so much like trying to thrive in the water it's more like trying to survive so I feel like he would give like super good technical swimming advice that would be great for someone who like kind of knows how to swim and then I would be like okay so I know what this is going to feel like from a crossfitter perspective I also know what Ryan means from a swimming perspective because I have the swimming background so I kind of tried to like mesh the two like the first couple of questions I felt like I was like overstepping with him, but he didn't care at all. And he, he's like such a laid back, awesome person. So as it went on, I didn't feel as bad and just kind of like continued to, to correct him in some ways um, to explain more of like how this works for CrossFit. But yeah, it was really fun. I feel like people enjoyed getting the, the drastic perspectives from the two of us. Yeah. I think first of all, it's, it was cool for them to get to meet an Olympian and an elite CrossFit athlete. They, they are not in that league at that point. And 
but your political correctness on the first couple questions of trying not to overstep. <laughs> and then it got to the point where like, I just need to step in here. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, ah, you know what? I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not how I would do that. I, I think they were asking like, how would you approach this? And he would say something and I'd be like, mm, that's not how I would do it. <laughs> yeah. Cause he would approach it and he actually would answer it how he yes. himself would approach it. Yeah. Um, but not being an Olympic CrossFit, swimmer, not knowing CrossFit as an Olympic swimmer. So like it was totally t hard for him to give that advice. And I think that the, the day we did that seminar was before he had done a, a workout so the, we did another one like on Saturday morning and he, that morning had swam with Annie and someone else. They did like a row swim run and he went out so hard on the row and then obviously swam really fast and then got on the runner and just absolutely died. And I think Annie caught him. So like, I feel like he would have had different advice on Saturday than he did on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so how fun was that? That So you were there with Tier, mm -hmm. got to hang out. Um, it's a big party. Uh, that was my first experience at Wadapalooza. I call it the CrossFit family reunion. Yeah. that. Um, so I competed at Wadapalooza in 2020, and that was my first time going. And it was just a fun experience in general, being there and seeing how many – I was shocked how many people go to Wadapalooza. Like, it is so cool from a community perspective – to meet so many different people, so many different divisions. Um, so it was fun then. And then this year was just next level fun because I have no stress of competing. I wasn't worried about my sleep or my recovery or my nutrition. I was literally just out in the sun with friends, you know, meeting with all my sponsors, meeting fans, watching the competition. Um, it was honestly one of the funnest weekends I've had in a really long time. Yeah. And if you're a CrossFit junkie, the vendor village there, I would say is bigger than the games. I've never been in Vendor Village at the games, but I have heard that it competes, that it's very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And a lot of companies were, were launching new items that weekend. So you got your first, the first crack at a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's a good time to do it. So the next thing I want to get into before we kind of get into the full CrossFit thing is um, you're a doctor of physical therapy, put in the seven years of school. That is, that is commendable right off the, the bat. Um, you don't practice now, but we had uh, Matilda Garns on uh, a couple days ago and she's a physical therapist in Europe. And yeah. she's, and I asked her, does that help you as an athlete? And she says, I have the physical therapist on one shoulder and I have the athlete on the other shoulder and the athlete always wins. <laughs> it is a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes feel, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like sometimes the physical therapist in me wins. Um, not as often, definitely not as often, but, um, especially as I've gotten older, I'm a lot smarter than I used to be. Um, um, if something's hurting, I know this is going to hurt me worse and it's not making me fitter in the moment. Like, I'm making a choice. Like I'm digging a hole on an injury. I'm digging a hole on a recovery. Um, I make the choice to stop. And I used to not do that. And a lot of, mm, I would be bold enough to say majority of young athletes absolutely do not do that. Games athletes, especially like you don't get to the games unless you have that killer instinct. You have that dig to push through when you don't want to. So we all have it. Um, when you're young, everyone pushes through everything. Everyone does every piece of on their programming without any questions, doesn't skip anything. As you get older, you learn that that is not how you always have to train. Um, and you can't, uh, your body starts to wear down and you, um, you get a lot more out of your recovery. If you learn to listen to your body and not dig that hole, you know, it's the end of a Saturday and you have one more piece and your shoulder hurts and you're supposed to do something that you know is really going to hurt your shoulder and your recovery is already like really killing you. And you, you make the choice to be like, what is best for my body right now? Like my mind wants me to do this because I'm going to feel better about it. I'm going to feel like I did everything I could did all of my training. Um, but I've gotten to the point now where I've learned that sometimes you have to make the choice to walk away from things, whether it's because of an injury or because of recovery. Um, yeah. So the PT in me struggles with, you know, the, the body pain stuff, but the experienced athlete in me has learned a lot in 
when to say no and when to walk away and when it's okay to push through. Like this is the time of year where I, I push through a lot more than I would in January um, because it matters so much more now. But uh, I think it's cool that she said that because I absolutely can relate. I think it's an advantage being a DPT. You have so much knowledge about the body. You know exactly what's going on. You have an injury, you know how to fix it. Um, obviously you need people to help you. You can't do everything yourself, but the awareness in of itself is such an advantage. Is that how yeah, and I think, oh, did, go ahead, Charlie. I was going to say, is that how, I think it was, was it two years ago where you hurt your ankle, but you, um, at the games, and is that how you kind of mentally were like, okay, I know that I can push this much on this ankle without it doing long-term damage and kind of moving forward? Um, To be honest, I never once thought about long-term term damage during that weekend. Um, I know that. I was like, I know it's not broken. Um, I was, I was not concerned about something being torn. I mean, I was like, if something's torn, it's torn. Like we'll deal with that later, but I wasn't necessarily worried about it getting worse over the weekend, which I'm sure I absolutely made it worse over the weekend, like doing double unders and heavy cleans and running whatever. But I honestly didn't think about it. And I think that that's the difference between you're in the competition. Like you're not, you're absolutely just want to get through the weekend. You want to finish as best you can. You want to pretend like this injury is not happening. Um, but during training, I would have looked at that completely differently and definitely would have been worried about a lot of things. <laughs> uh, Matilda actually is a CrossFit games rookie. So it's, it's, I think it's important that you said you're older and wiser now and listen to the PT side. She's a rookie trying to get to her first games. And so she's probably pushing through more, than than she would normally but she said she actually hired a pt to help her mm -hmm. stop when she needs to stop that's awesome yeah um i've always worked with a pt i so like if i'm dealing with some sort of injury i go and see someone and they'll be like you know they'll they'll talk to me like a pt they know that i know what i need to do and i always look at them at the end of the treatment and say tell me exactly what to do like, because I know what to do, but I'm going to go home with a list of 25 exercises and try to do all of them. And it's too many. Like, I don't have time in my day to do 15 shoulder exercises and 15 hip exercises in my warm up every day. So give me three that are most important. I promise you I'll do them. Um, yeah, I need to hear that from someone because it, the athlete, the competitive person in me wants to do everything and you just can't physically do that. So I think having a PT, having a coach, having someone to tell you what to do, tell you when to stop is necessary for every athlete. When you finish your career, are you going to go back to that occupation or are you okay with not? Um, that's a tough question. I, I've like renewed my license. I've kept it up to date. I'm doing a, a year long course right now. Um, just to keep my mind sharp. I think I use my mind a lot more than I realized just and CrossFit and training and stuff, but I will, I'll use my degree. Absolutely. Um, I'm very passionate about the human body. I'm very passionate about movement. I'm very passionate about helping people. Um, and I like the connection that it has with CrossFit. Um, so I want to, I want to work with that somehow. I, I don't foresee myself going back to a clinic and working nine to five, um, with patients all day long. Obviously, if that's what ends up happening and, you know, for financial reasons, if I need to, I absolutely will do that. And I want to keep that available. But I don't know. I think that it's too soon to tell right now. But I, I definitely don't foresee myself not using it at all. When you were a swimmer, do you find that that built such a good cardio base for you coming into CrossFit? Because when I was swimming, like I felt like I could do anything. Um, if someone challenged me to a run, I could run any distance because of my swimming. If I, you know, and since, and then when I retired, like all that went away. Um, so oddly enough, I don't think that, um, swimming helped my cardio that much. I think it, it helped with my ability to suffer. Um, I think it helped with maybe, a little bit of base building, like long and slow base building. But um, I always felt like when I was in really good swimming shape, it didn't translate to anything else. Like I was killing it in the water. And you asked me to go run? Absolutely not. If I was in really good shape in general, like really good running shape, CrossFit shape, and I got in the water, I was swimming pretty darn good 
even if I wasn't swimming. So I don't, and I don't know if that's just a me thing, but I feel like it never, because I would come out of swim season. So I did three sports in high school. I'd come out of swim season and go straight into track. And I would always be behind because everyone ran winter track, you know, indoor track. And I did not because I would swim. And they're like, oh, you're in shape. You just got off swimming. I'm like, whoa, no, I'm not. Like, it's just totally different. I would struggle so hard for the first couple of weeks of running. Um, but if I flipped it and went the other way, went from running to swimming, I feel like it would have helped me more. So I'm not, I'm not sure why. Um, I do think that there are certain things that absolutely help me, like my ability to like suffer on a rower and just like that ability to just like grind through long things. Uh, I attribute to swimming a hundred percent. Um, yeah. So what, what strokes did you swim? Um, pretty much all freestyle. I swam my freshman. So I did, we did like a 30 minute max distance swim at the very beginning of my freshman season. And I did, I got like fourth on the team in that. And they're like, Oh, we're going to push you in distance group. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> so I ended up swimming the 500,000 in mile my freshman year, my sophomore year. It kind of, I didn't do great in the mile. I think it was because I didn't want to do great in the mile. I was like, don't ever make me swim this again. Um, so my sophomore year, I swam more the 500, 200,000. And then junior year was about the same. And then senior year, we lost a lot of our sprinters. So I was able to join the sprint group for one fun year and got to swim the the, the 50 relay, the hundred relay, the 200, and then the 500 was my longest event my senior year, which I felt like I was finally getting in my groove my senior year with those events in that training. Just the training was so different than what I trained in my distance group. Cause we had like, you know, four different groups on our team and we pretty much did not, I'm sure Ohio state was the same. Like you did not swim with those other groups very often. And it was pretty specific training for those groups. So I felt like my body adapted. Very, I mean, no surprise. I'm a larger muscly person my body responded really well to that sprint training. Um, and I swam really great my senior year. So I kind of wish I would have had the chance to train like that for all four of my years. I think I would have been a better swimmer in the end. Yeah. I was a two and five in high school with some IM. And nice. then when I got to college, it was 5,000, 1650. Yeah. And that's probably what made me retire. Yeah. 400 IM. Uh, yeah. Two and four. Oh, 400. I did the 400 IM one time. And my coach was like, your breaststroke is way too bad for you to swim this event. <laughs> that was my weakness too. We must've been the same swimmer. Yeah. It's funny. Cause my sister was a breaststroker. So like, that's all she swam. <laughs> I would be in first place after the backstroke. And then I would lose it all in the breaststroke and have to gain, catch it back up in the freestyle. Yeah. There's, there's two type of IMers. They're either <laughs> breaststrokers or freestyle freestyler and flyers. Like there's never the, right. There's never much in between. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's move off of swimming. Cause I know that this is a CrossFit podcast. Um, dogs though, everybody loves dogs. And you described your dog, Teddy as the snuggle bug. That's also a monster. Oh yeah. He's a monster. Come here, Ted. He's sleeping right now. Right next to me. Teddy. Hey. Come here. Come here. Come up here. And that is my dog description to a T. My dog, Walter, is the exact same way. Loves to snuggle, but then he's a terror when he's not snuggling. Oh, yeah. That's him. He's really sleepy right now, so he's being super sweet, but just napping on the ground but by my feet. But he, so he's two years old. He's a golden doodle. Um, when we and first, he's cute. When we first got him, yeah, he's very cute. He knows he's cute. Um, when we first got him, my husband, like, he was just super chill as a puppy. And my husband's like, this dog's lame. <laughs> I was like, ah, uh, and then literally like 24 hours later, this dog just starts like running and barking like a crazy person. And we're like, what is he even, bar he's playing by himself. He's outside by himself. Just we're inside watching him like run the backyard, just bark and run and bark and run. And we're like, oh my gosh. And now he pretty much does that. Like ever since, and this is when he was like nine weeks old. He still does that every single day. <laughs> like <laughs> runs outside barks like crazy and it's just because he's excited it's not he's not barking at anything but pure excitement so we always joke that he's literally the happiest dog in the world like you can't ever upset him but so christy this year decided she wanted to make comp competing as close to home as possible so she took milo with her to semifinals so that 
in the evenings when she was done, she could walk Milo and it would feel like she's just a normal day to her. Yeah. Have you ever considered that with Teddy? No. <laughs> <laughs> it would add so much more stress. Milo is way more easygoing than Teddy and way less. He's like the lowest maintenance dog I've ever met. So I can imagine that Chrissy was able to pull that off with ease, but Teddy is not. <laughs> He yeah, she told me after challenges. <laughs> yeah, she told me after that the day one where she had a really bad day, like if Milo wasn't there, it would have been really tough for her. But that helped her snap out of it and go after it the last two days. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. So um and is he is you is he your only dog? No, we have another dog too. He's older though. He's like he's sleeping around the corner. Um he is gonna be fifteen in November and he's a pit bull mix. So he was my husband's okay. first dog that he got well before we even met. Um, he's a really sweet guy though. Um, he doesn't exactly love the puppy energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, so let's talk about, you grew up, you grew up in Ohio, you know, we are based out of Columbus. So we've been following your career since the beginning. Um, you were, you lived it, you went to school in Cleveland, but most of your time is around the Dayton area. Mm -hmm. Then you decide two years ago, you're going to move to Boston. I can imagine that is night and day. Having spent time in the Dayton area and having spent time in Boston, they are nothing alike. No. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did it take you to adjust to that move? Um, I would say it was very quick just because of like the things that mattered, like flowed so quickly. Like it was just, you know, home to the gym, the people I was surrounded with was all great. So like the, the major differences between Boston and Dayton were the outside world. Like Boston itself is just so different than Dayton, but I, I'm, I'm living in Boston, but we're not really living in Boston. Like we're, living in a suburb and I go from home to the gym. Like I don't go downtown very often. I'm not living that environment. If I were, it would, be, would have been a lot tougher on us, but um, it was pretty seamless just because of that. Um, there's a lot of things that I don't love about living in Boston, but it, for the purposes of training and being in a better training environment and having people to push me being with coaches, like that transition was so easy because it was great. So your, your husband had to make the move too. And yeah. how did it go for him? So he quit his job. Um, and he had been, he's been going to school for many years while working full time. So you can imagine how that goes. He, and he worked very long hours. So he would sometimes only be taking one class at a time. Um, so when he quit, I was like, because we started looking for jobs obviously. And I'm like, why don't we just finish school? Like, go to school full time and get this done instead of finding another job, dragging this out. Um, we know we won't live in Boston forever. Our family's in Ohio, our heart's in Ohio. Like we will go back there someday. So I was like, what's the point of you getting this job, getting locked in and like still ticking away at school while you're finding a different school, then potentially you could have to move schools again. So it just sounded like a nightmare. So we're like school full time, um, which was a huge change for him. Um, first he loved it. And then he's like, but then like, it was such a high COVID time. Like he has, where I'm sitting right now is his desk where he's like lived the last two years because he's gone to campus, which is his school is in the city. He's gone there like once or twice, which has been awesome because he gets to do everything online. He's at the gym. He can go to the gym for several hours. He loves that. He's with me a lot more, but he is a people person and he's a social butterfly. So sitting at a computer desk all day, like listening to videos, not getting to interact with people has has been tough on him. But you're, you're doing fine. You're, you're in there for two years. Are you settled this year? Cause you seem, you seem when I watched you at granite, you just seemed like more composed on the floor than I'd seen you in past years. Yeah, I think um, it's a lot of things. It's settled into the training environment. It's settled into myself as an athlete. Like, I think that that is, it's just taken me a few years to evolve and really learn myself and grow. And, um, you know, I'm not done peaking yet. I'm still getting better, but I feel like I'm getting a lot closer to figuring out 
myself as an athlete. And we talked about at, when I interviewed you there at Granite Games, we talked about consistency and you said that was your, your complete goal for that weekend mm -hmm. is to not be the home run hitter with bad finishes, but to be consistent across the board. Were you happy with that finish? Yes, absolutely. Um, obviously there's workouts I could have done better in and I, you know, wish I would have done things differently in the moment. But when I look back at the whole weekend, it, it was a success and I was really happy with my overall consistency and calmness throughout all of the workouts. Yeah. Your worst finish was an eighth and the rest were all top fives, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty consistent across the board. Um, was there a favorite event from the weekend? And not necessarily where you finished best, yeah. but like, what was your favorite that you felt the best about? Um, I felt the, well, it's tough. Um, I, I guess I would say the Sunday morning, um, sled push run just because I was in a groove in that workout. There's, there's a few things I would have done differently, but I felt really good in that workout. Um, from a recovery standpoint, a fueling standpoint, like as an athlete, there's so many like little logistics that go into making sure you're able to execute to your ability in a workout. And I think that that was as close as I got all weekend. Um, just like constantly learning new things, the tweak and warm ups, and, you know, warming up enough, especially as I get older, I feel like I got to warm up a ton to make sure I'm ready for the intensity of, um, competition. So I did some things wrong on Saturday that I fixed on Sunday that I felt like a different athlete on Sunday. And I, I think that that is why that workout was my favorite. I didn't execute as well as I would have wanted on the bike. I should have biked harder, but like from a perspective of like really finding my groove, um, Sunday was a great day. You looked so strong on that run. And there were a lot of athletes that did not. And, uh, and so the few of you that looked really good on the run, like stood out, mm -hmm. uh, from a, from a, a spectator standpoint. Um, and it's funny that I, that's what I would have guessed was your best, mm -hmm. um, just by the way you looked in your, your posture and your composure. Um, so that's kind of cool that that came out that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you finished the weekend with an average finish of 4.3. We actually have partners and I'm going to try to pull it up really quick um, who do a stat sheet on every athlete that we uh, interview. And it, it, and so I just want to point it out a few quick things. It'll just take me a minute. The funny thing, Amanda, is we were supposed to interview someone at noon, but they uh, came out that they popped for PEDs last night. <laughs> so Wait. that got um, canceled. So I had to get through that stuff. Um, here we go. So here we it is. So here's your stat sheet. It's from Fantasy Fitnessing. They run a fantasy CrossFit game uh, where anybody can play for free. But here's your average event finish from Granite Games. It is your best average, whoa, it is your best average finish in any event that you've ever competed in from 2020 forward. Does that surprise you? Um, no. Oh, not at all, actually. I mean, I went into the weekend feeling confident that I could be consistent and the goal of being consistent, um, not because of the workouts at all. Um, I felt that way before I knew the workouts, um, just because of the work that we've put in and, you know, how much I feel like I've grown. So they also break things down by event type um, and time domain mm -hmm. and your finishes based on that. And then what I wanted to get to is... Uh, here is recent event results by movement. So if a workout included a burpee, it's on this line of where you finished. Mm -hmm. If it involved a clean, this is where you finished. What do you think your best movements are since 2020? I would guess a clean is probably one of them <laughs> and a so bike. I, that's where I thought. <laughs> so I went to clean, but really 
what surprised me, your thrusters. Oh yeah. Thrusters are not a surprise either. No. Right there. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your wall balls. Mm-hmm. That's another good one. Brothers and wall and, balls are like the same thing to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then snatch, of course, the lift snatch and clean were both really good. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was interesting. I just wanted to share that with you. That is cool. Sorry, that took a second. That was really cool. Um, um, so going, you've been doing this for a long time now. You're five straight. This is your fifth straight CrossFit Games. Three straight top tens. Mm-hmm. What have you learned during that time in preparation for the games that you're going to put in place in the next four weeks? Oh, man, so much that I don't even know how to put into words. But I guess um, it's kind of what I've talked about before is like you, number one, like the obvious answer is games training-esque type workouts, you know, touching all the stuff that shows up at the games that you don't necessarily do all year round. Um, You know, making sure you have the volume tolerance, which at year five, I, I have the volume tolerance. So it's not as stressful going into this season as I was in 2018. It was like 2018, I was not prepared for the volume. Now I'm very much prepared for the volume. So it's, it's less um, volume intensive this time, you know, time around, just because I'm more prepared for it over the years, it just kind of compiles and um, you're, you're just, your body's much more ready for it. So it's more focused on what I need to be doing, you know, making sure we're dialing in my running and my gymnastics and um, you know, touching all the heavy lifts, um, making sure everything feels good and you're, you're touching anything that could possibly come up. And then just the last couple of weeks is really just like firing away at games type workouts, which is seriously the most fun time of year because it's the type of workouts that everyone loves to do. We don't get to do until this time of year. So looking forward to it. And you, you kind of thrive in that outdoor environment, right? Swimming, running, things like that. So unlike a a lot of athletes, you don't have to ramp up for that. Do you do a lot of swimming in your workouts or, or do you rely on what you have from the past? I rely on what I have from the past, um, until about a month out. So I had, I, I mean, I might've swam like once or twice for like a photo shoot or for fun, but I have not trained swimming since last year. Um, last year leading up to the games, until after Granite Games was the first time I got in the pool and the lake and started swimming. And now I am doing it twice a week now just because I only had six weeks to train it. You know, most CrossFitters swim year-round twice a week. So it's definitely a lot less than most of them do. Because um, I, I want to feel good in the water. I want to feel confident that a swim workout comes out. I'm going to be ready to do my best. But I also know I'm never going to be in the, the swim condition that I was and that my swimming is good enough. (laughs) Um, and there's a lot of other things that I can make progress on and need to make progress on to do well at the games. And swimming's not one of them. Yeah. I know when I was fit, um, trying to get back there, but that about two weeks, you could be pretty good back in the water, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if after taking a year off two weeks and you could be pretty good to go. So I was just curious if, if it still was that way for you as an elite athlete. So what about the strongman stuff? Do you, is that all new for the six weeks or do you do that throughout the year? We touch it here and there. Um, honestly, still not something that I touch a ton because I'm typically pretty good at that. And it, it takes a lot out of me. Um, anything, anything, although I'm good at lifting heavy and moving heavy things, it, it's just takes a lot out of you. Like doing cardio and gymnastics luckily is the stuff that I need to get better at. And that is the stuff that doesn't take as much out of me. So from a recovery standpoint, we focus in a weakness standpoint. That's where our focus has always been for me. But yeah, we're definitely, I've been touching a yoke every week now and I hadn't touched it since last year. And, you know, we get the heavy D balls out and yeah, heavy kettlebells and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's as for me and my strengths and weaknesses, it's definitely not a focus of our training. So when you're working gymnastics, do you find it, it depends on what it's paired with is where you need the work? Or do you just like look at the, the movement in its by itself and like train a muscle up or is it depending on what you're going to do before that muscle up or after that muscle up? Um, do you mean from like a standpoint of what I struggle with or. Yeah. Or that you train because of what you've learned 
Oh, okay. Um, it depends where we are. So at the very beginning, all I did was just train muscle ups. Like first it was technique driven, like trying to fix my technique on a muscle up. Once we got the technique a little bit better, the, the game, the name of the game was volume tolerance. Cause I just had no tolerance past 20 or 30 muscle ups. And now I can do 60 muscle ups in a day and it, it doesn't even phase me. So building that tolerance strictly just muscle ups. And then it's trying to get it in a better time domain, like trying to get those faster sets on the minute, that's type of deal. And then now it's transitioned, you know, we do them in workouts with all different types of movements, fatigue levels, you know, whether they're a big 30 set at the beginning or um, like Granite Games workout where it was 30 in the middle, or is it 60 spread out across the workout? It's just as much variety as possible at this point. After five years, how much more confident are you in your gymnastics today than you were in 2018? Uh, in 2018, I don't even think I realized how bad I was at it. So I probably wasn't as, wasn't as worried. <laughs> um, now I think I'm still nervous about it because I know I've made immense progress, um, especially in the chest bar, ring muscle up, legless rope climb. I would say those three I've made the absolute most progress in. Where that puts me next to the field, I still don't know. Um, you know, like I was pretty much dead last in all of those type movements at the games in 2018. And I'm very confident I would not be dead last today, but I I'm trying to be top five podium at the games. Like, so I need to be top 20, top 15 in these, these weakness called workouts. And I don't know where I'm at. And I think it would depend what it's paired with and um, you know, what we've done up to that point. Um, but it's exciting. I'm excited to test those things. I want them to be tested. I want to go up against the best and see where I'm at. I don't want to, um, I don't want to hide from it. What gets you more excited hitting your plan on a gymnastics workout or hitting a big lift? Oh, my plan on a gymnastics workout, hundred percent. Um, when we looked back at 2019, you know, all everyone talked about was that the clean with Tia, you know, and yeah, that was fun, but I wasn't overly proud of that. Like I missed the 265 because I felt like I was rushing, rushing the lift and, you know, started to feel the pressure, I think at that point and failed the lift. So in that moment, I wasn't super proud of that. And, you know, looking at the top 10 girls I was going up against, I'm like, if I don't get first or second in this event, like something went horribly wrong just by knowing who was left. And we look back at the weekend and I, got last last there was only 10 of us so i got last in the pegboard workout but i climbed the pegboard like seven you know five or seven times i don't remember what it was and the year before i didn't climb it at all so like that was 100 percent the highlight of my weekend and it's the stuff that you work on every single day the stuff that you're scared of the stuff that you've trained all season long um that means the most at the games obviously winning events is incredible and it's hard to compare to that but when you've put in so much work and dedication and hours to specific movements and to feel it pay off at the games is amazing. It's kind of one of, it's kind of one of those weird, like for the clean, it's like, it's, it's a no win because you're either, you're supposed to do it. So it's just like, ah, oh, okay, well, she was supposed to do that. And then mm -hmm. where if you, your gymnastics side, they're like, Whoa, okay. She's here, but now she's in third. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, now we're doing something. <laughs> exactly. It means so much more. You see a workout. And I think a lot of athletes say this, like you see a workout that you're supposed to win. You're more nervous. Cause you're like, Oh God, I I'm supposed to win this workout. Like this is a groove pitch for me. Um, you see the, the weakness workouts you're nervous, but you're like, you know what I've put, I've done everything I could to get better at this. Like, let's just see where I'm at, go out there and do your best. And it's cool to see the progress. Like, you know, everyone else is getting better too. So where, where am I going to be now against the field? So in your career, 2018, you had a normal game season. Every year since then, it has not been. 19 was everybody in the world got invited. 20 was the big COVID year. 21 was the semis were all messed up because of COVID still. And you get to the games. This is going to be your first normal games again since 2018. My first question is, are you excited that it's just normal this season? 100%. I am so excited. I was just talking to uh, my training partner, Sydney, about this the other day, how like 
18 was fun. We, it was a, it was a solid games. The workouts were amazing. The environment was unreal. Um, we kept all 40 girls until the end. I got, I mean, I know from a spectator perspective, it's not the best thing in the world being able to like watch four heats gets boring, but from a competitor standpoint, I love being able to compete against all 40 athletes in every single workout to really see where you compare. My second question is how proud do you feel that no matter what got thrown at you over the last four years, you still made it to the games and in the last three years finished top 10? Yeah, I'm super proud. I, I look back now and I'm like, wow. Um, you know, because it's easy to feel like after 2018 that I didn't really earn it, like I really earned it in 2018. And then, you know, I just got lucky after that. And now that all these years have passed and I've, you know, I've done it again this year and this year was challenging. We had a stacked semifinal and it, there's no doubt in my mind that I deserve to be there, that I've earned it, that I want, that I'm one of the top athletes in the world. And, you know, it, I don't even flinch at saying that because I mean it in my soul. And couple of years ago, I definitely wouldn't have meant that. That boggles my mind that, that and, and I read somewhere where you, you do fight that a, a lot, you know, um, self-confidence and the more athletes we talk to, the more common I'm finding that is, mm -hmm. um, see, I look at it as, man, it doesn't matter what happened. Amanda was ready. Mm -hmm. And in your mind, you, there were times because it was different. You weren't sure you belonged. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's really in those two perspectives. I was just going to say, I think it's easy to, to look at things and be like, well, you know, I, I got in because of this, I got in because this person didn't make it or, you know, whatever. It's so easy to make these excuses or I got in because the workouts hit me right. And, you know, I won this workout and they happened to be on this side of the cuts and, you know, you can do that all day long, but at the end of the day, we all took the same tests. You know, we all, did everything the same and who ended up there are the people who deserved it. So I do believe that now, um, in the moment, it's not always the easiest thing. Right. I also noticed in this year, you did one off season of the big three, one off season comp, and that was rogue. Mm -hmm. How important is it for you to recover in the off season and get a full recovery? And how tough is that when those big three are where you can really make some money as a pro athlete? Yeah. Uh, I hate it, to be honest. It's like, who wants to miss out on Dubai? But it's like right around Christmas. Like who wants to compete around Christmas? Like I would love to go to Dubai, but I'm, I can guarantee you, I'm never going to compete at Dubai because of the time of year that it comes up. Um, and the type of person I am like family and Thanksgiving to Christmas is just like our time. And like me having to train enough to be concerned to do well is just not going to happen during that time. Um, rogue last year was really hard for me. Um, I did not want to go. I didn't want to be there. I was not afterwards. I was so burnt out. The turnaround from the games is tough for me. Um, because you put so much into it and you just, you really do. It's not physical. It's mental. You need a break. Um, and we started training pretty hard for rogue too soon. And I, I learned that the hard way last year. So I think that this year I will probably do rogue again, but have just a different mindset going into it. Um, I want to stay fit, but I'm not going to like hammer intense CrossFit workouts until October. Like I'm not going to be doing that in September because I think it was just a little too soon last year. And it, that's challenging. So then I looked at water blues and I was like, I'm absolutely not competing. Like I need a break. Um, yeah, it's hard though. Cause you, you want to do them. You want to get the exposure. It's fun. You want the chance to earn some money but you got to be smart from a mental and physical perspective. So it's definitely challenging. Do you wear the cowboy hat and boots at all since you weren't rogue? No, <laughs> <laughs> I kept them, you know, going back to Ohio country concerts are a big deal and you, you need cowboy boots. So I might wear them someday, but I have not yet. Definitely not in Boston. <laughs> yeah, we, we had Emily Rolf and her husband on two nights ago. And the suitcase, their suitcase was so overweight that when they took the boots and the buckle out, that it went back underweight. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. There, I'm not going to lie. There were some things that I left in my hotel room because of that same problem, but I, I did bring the boots and the hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that was funny. And everybody we've asked, like, 
Jeff Adler was like, there's no way I'm ever wearing those boots and hat. <laughs> cool that they gave it to us, but I gave yeah. it to my brother. They he are can cool. have fun with that it. That is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you are very like in, in stuff I've seen very regimented in what you do, like how you eat during a day, how you sleep. How do you gear up for that at the games? Like I, and you may not be this way anymore. You were a very early morning person, early to bed person. Mm -hmm. The games don't necessarily run on that schedule. So how do you adjust for that going into the games? Um, I don't, I've stopped trying. So I used to try and um, I still wake up. My internal clock does not let me sleep in. Very rarely, if I sleep till seven, I'm thrilled, but I, it just doesn't happen. So I've, I tried to do it a little bit for granite games because those workouts were so late. And what ends up happening is I just end up getting less sleep. So what I've decided, and it works for me fine, is like I keep my schedule as long as I can. I get good sleep leading up to the games, and uh, there's three or four nights that I don't get the best sleep in the world, I'm fine. Like I'm still getting around seven hours I think in perfect conditions, I would hardly, it'd be hard to get eight anyways, just because of stress and adrenaline and all the other stuff going on. So, um, it's fine. You, you can, you can do a couple days on low sleep. You, if it's what you build up to that point, it's your nutrition, it's everything else going into it. Um, yeah. And last year it was fine. I, I didn't set an alarm a single day at the games last year. Everyone complains about those seven o'clock briefs. And I'm like, I woke up at six, had my coffee, like enjoyed my morning and then made it to the brief on time without being cranky. And like, we got home for me to go to bed by nine o'clock each night. So it was not a big deal at all last year. Uh, my, our mother co-host cat is chiming in that CrossFit fans should sign up and work as maids at hotels on the day after the games. Yeah. <laughs> They might get some free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, it, and I asked this question of somebody, I can't remember who it was, but like, you're a Reebok athlete. You're a tier athlete. Mm -hmm. They send you gift packages going into the games. Mm -hmm. You're going to get there and get a butt ton of uniforms for the week. Mm -hmm. How do you, how, what do you do with all that stuff? Well, I can't wear any of the, the tier and Reebok stuff at the games. So I pack as light as possible. I take all of my shoes since we're allowed to wear the shoes. Um, but from Reebok, a Reebok gear perspective, I pack hardly anything because it's just like, I got to save room in my suitcase to get everything back. Um, it depends. I give away pretty much all of the jerseys. I don't keep the jerseys. Um, I may keep one from each year, give them to managers and coaches and friends and fans and stuff like that. Um, and then otherwise, you know, I've just given the stuff away to friends over the years. I have a lot of friends who have gotten a lot of <laughs> really nice clothes for free. So, um, I don't, I don't like the idea of selling anything. Um, I just like giving it away. Um, some of it I keep, I know that I'm not going to be a sponsored athlete for the rest of my life. So I know I would kick myself if I got rid of every single thing. Um, so I, I keep some of it, give some of it away. My husband would definitely think that I keep too much, but um, I guess I have a little bit of hoarder in me. <laughs> like you never know. The pair, the amount of shoes I have that I've never worn is almost embarrassing. But um, I just keep telling myself that someday I will wear them. <laughs> I, you know, Christy brings a box in to the to the gym after like every big event and says, yeah. you know, help yourself. Don't take too much, so other people can have it. But her and I are definitely not the right size. <laughs> <laughs> it's challenging yeah. to find like especially shoes it's like a girl with the exact shoe size as you that wants the shoes like it's not easy to find you know then you feel like you're just giving it to the one person it's like i wish i could find more people that have the same shoe size um you know that are friends and people that are close by that i can give them to um I've, my sister wears the same shoe size as me so i give her a lot but someone in the comments is saying that if you want to donate to the wall you could always do that too What's the wall? Sit behind me. I have jerseys and shirts from different athletes that have given me stuff oh, yeah, over the sure. years. Jerseys, absolutely. It's a shameless plug. Shame, yeah. Yeah, like that's like Christie's is right there. Oh, yeah, I see O'Connell. And then Cheryl Nasso. And then Bethany's shirt from Bulldogs and Crocs. Oh, yeah, I love Stacey that. Stacey Tovar's gym shirt. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your faith. When you go on your Instagram, first thing listed is Christ first. Mm -hmm. And I love that. 
Uh, being a, a man of Christ, I love seeing that. And how do you center yourself daily to make sure that that, that is your priority and not all of this stuff going on around you? Oh, I, it's hard. Um, I think every Christian struggles with that. But I think the best thing you can do is start your morning with God, you know, sit down, however your routine fits you best. But I, you know, I drink coffee. I usually read a devotional and listen to one on uh, the Bible app. They have so many good ones on there, you know, journal a little bit and set an intention for the day and try to focus on whatever that is. And just remind myself throughout the day as things happen and things don't go according to plan and just try to pause, breathe and pray and remember that like, it's not your plan that matters. It's his plan and stay focused on that. It, it does lift so much stress in anxieties and worries and everything. If you, you can focus on that. And some days I do great and some days I fail. And that's why I sit down again with my journal the next day and say, how can I do it better today? Yeah, I love that. I tried to do it in other parts of the day. Um, but morning always seems to work best because it just sets the day up for, if you do that first, then it's the priority for your day. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm a morning person. So my distraction level in the morning is very low. I'm focused. I'm ready to, you know, go through my routine. But like once the day starts, I can't, I can't seem to get the focus, bring the focus in. And I'm like that with everything. Like if I don't do my laundry in the morning, I lose focus and the laundry doesn't get done till the next day. I'll do it in the morning. But like, I have like this window to where I'm productive and I'm focused. And if I miss it, the day's gone. <laughs> I want to shift gears just a little bit. I was at the Mac last year and you and Sam were really tight. Sam left. Was that an adjustment for you? Because I heard you describe him as the annoying little brother you didn't have. <laughs> yes, that was an adjustment. Um, Cause Sam and I were both coached by Harry last year. Um, we got along very well, very good friends. Our training dynamic was great. We had a lot of strengths and weaknesses that lined up really well. So yeah, him leaving was tough on me. Um, I miss training with him a lot, but I understand, like, I know him well enough to know that like being home for him and training in his home environment was best for him. He enjoyed training with me and, but his family environment and being surrounded by his loved ones means a lot to him. So I support him from that, knowing that that is what's best for him. Um, even though I miss him. So how cool was it that you both got Granite Games this year? Oh yeah, that was awesome. It was like, what are the odds that we both got Mac last year? We both got Granite Games this year. You know, I was heartbroken for him last year, knowing how hard he trained and how good he was and how much he deserved to make the games and didn't happen last year. So seeing him come back so strong this year was awesome. Yeah, that Sunday morning event for him, he made a statement. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> he pushes his blood <laughs> so well. So I was not surprised at all. And he's one of the best in the sport on any sort of bike. So it was, it was really cool to see. He's one of the most favorite people I've ever interviewed. And it was so cool to see him. Punch really? his ticket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he's so quiet. And he is. That's why ever I'm since to hear you say that. <laughs> but ever since I met him, like he always comes up and says hi to me at every event. Um, he was coaching his little brother at the games last year. Yeah. He came over and said, hi, like he's just the nicest guy ever. Yes. Heart of gold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what will be a, a satisfying CrossFit games for you this year? Um, I think that if I show up and execute to the best of my abilities in every single workout, um, you have absolutely no control over where you end up on the leaderboard and it's cliche and everyone says it, but it's a hundred percent true. So you can't think about that. You can't stress about that. You have no control over what other athletes are doing or what the workouts are. So if I can show up the best Amanda on every single workout and feel like I finished the workout being like, that was it. That was everything I had, which <laughs> over 15 events is very hard to do. I've never done it successfully. I don't feel like I even did it over six at Granite Games. So that's a very lofty goal to be able to walk away and be like, I absolutely hit my best in every workout, but that's always the goal. And the closer you can get to that, like I firmly believe the higher I'm going to be on the leaderboard because you're not leaving anything left on the table. How excited are you knowing that the programmer 
is different this year? I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what to expect. I, I'm a little nervous because I feel like you, I've kind of learned, you know, Castro's ways and I don't know if boss is going to follow, follow that at all, or, you know, just totally throw us for a loop. So I guess I'm more nervous than I would normally be. Um, just because it's unknown, but I also, there's, I'm at the point in my career where it's, I'm not, I'm not hoping that something doesn't show up because you can't do that. Um, so I'm excited. I think that I do have faith that boss is going to put together a really good test. I think he's super smart and I think he's going to think through this really, really well. And he's a classic CrossFit guy, die hard at heart. So I think that we're going to have some really good workouts and yeah, I honestly, I'm very excited to see them. I, you said earlier in the interview that you're very adaptable as an athlete. And so that's a strength when there's a programmer that's never done this before because you can adapt to that situation. So I would think it would be a strength of yours going into the games. I hope so. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't actually know if I'm that adaptable. I try to be and try to tell myself that I am, but <laughs> I am such a creature of habit and consistency that adapting, adapting is, I guess, a still a challenging thing for me, but I guess as an athlete and a veteran, you, you do it better and better each year. Is there anything you miss from Ohio from like a food or drink perspective? Um, so our favorite pizza place is Dewey's pizza. We definitely miss that. Um, we love Bakersfield tacos in Cincinnati. Um, that's probably our favorite place. Um, we love, love, love their tacos and margaritas and chips. Husband and I talk about that all the time. They do, there is one in Columbus. I, we just love the one in Cincinnati, but, um, I would say those are probably my top two things that we miss. Yeah. I missed the first one. Cause my head, my earbud died. Dewey's pizza. Dewey's pizza. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever had Dewey's? Was I, we have a Dewey's here in Columbus. I love Dewey's like five of them. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I I was expecting a Grater's ice cream or. Oh yeah. I mean, you can get Grater's in the store here though. Really? Yeah. Oh, I did not I mean, know it's that. It's pretty much anywhere in grocery store. I don't know about anywhere, but I pretty much see it in most grocery stores nowadays. So. Well, awesome. Um, are, what are you going to do to celebrate after the games? I don't know. Um, Madison's tough. Cause you gotta like, we never plan ahead, you know, it's like you figure out to get this great restaurant and then it's becomes the last minute of the game site. And you got this big crew of people and you're trying to find somewhere to eat and it always ends up being kind of a letdown. So I'm trying not to, it doesn't matter that much. Usually by Sunday, I don't really want to eat anyways. They give us pizza on the competition floor at the end of the, um, the end of the night last year, we got tacos somewhere, but they weren't great. I always want Mexican food because that's my favorite. But I, I think finding a place in Madison maybe is an ideal. Maybe I should start doing my research now, honestly, and have my mom get the reservation because it, every year I'm like, dang it, I didn't plan this ahead. And we're, you know, twiddling our thumbs trying to find a spot where we can all get into last minute and it uh, doesn't always end well. Are you going to do any vacation afterwards? Um, as of now, we don't have anything planned. We will come back to Boston um, right away. Well, our dogs are here and stuff. And then we'll probably end up driving to Ohio with the pups and stay with my parents for a couple of weeks. That's usually what we do. Um, they got a pool put in, they have an awesome backyard. So we'll want to spend a few weeks there since we've been missing out while the family's enjoying the backyard and we're here in Boston. So we'll definitely do that for a few weeks in August. Um, other than that, we're not sure yet. We have talked about kind of going somewhere around here in Boston, just cause there's New Hampshire is so close Cape Cod. Like there's tons of places around here that we haven't really explored yet. That would be fun to go to. Here's my last question. Uh, how many people are you taking to the games? Um, I'm taking my husband and my mom this year. I got a small crew and then one of my best friends from Cleveland is coming. So just three. Who gets awesome. Who gets the coach's pass? Oh, the coach's pass is Ben Bergeron. <laughs> He's coming too. That's the comp train crew. The, we have a pretty big crew with comp train, but just from a family perspective. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he got yours. Did he get? Yeah, he gets mine. Ben gets mine. And then um, Genesee, Cole's wife, mm. um, takes his. And then uh, Jarrett, Jarrett Smith, um, Sid's coach, will be with her. So we'll have a little crew. That's a seniority. Yeah. Thing there. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Amanda, this has been a blast. We're up on the hour. I did want to respect your time. So thank you so much for jumping on with us. Uh, we will hopefully see you in Madison. We're still waiting to hear on our credentials. Um, but hopefully we get those and we'll see you up there in Madison. Well, they're not giving media passes to everyone this year. <laughs> it seems like all the athletes, like production companies are getting them. Oh, okay. um, but if you're like a third party media, it's sketchy. Well, hopefully you get one, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're trying, but yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, thanks for having me, guys. This has been so fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.